It is the Lockdown Bengals Podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. This is the third day in a row the Cincinnati Bengals have signed an outside free agent. Today, that's Mackenzie Alexander, the slot cornerback from Minnesota. So that's two ex-Mike Zimmer coached cornerbacks coming to Cincinnati. We'll talk about that signing. And then it's mailbag Friday. I got to record with Joe a little bit before he went to work and we took four questions and we talked about four questions for 20 some minutes. So we we really dug into them. Talk about the overall grade for the free agency, how it can improve, how it could get worse. Talk about the differences between the Bengals' new free agents and the players that they will be replacing and whether Xavier Suofilo will actually be a starter for the Bengals. And again, spoiler, the money doesn't say that he necessarily will be, but we will get into that in the mailbag. Just a few questions today. But first, let's talk about the Bengals' latest signing, Mackenzie Alexander, and just recap free agency in general because it has been very interesting so far. Mackenzie Alexander comes by way of Mike Zimmer, into the Bengals' cornerback room and effectively will replace Darquez Denard and at times last year B.W. Webb in the slot. A minor move, the Bengals also re-signed Torrey McTire, and it's hard to see him even making the team at this point. The Bengals now have rostered Drake Kirkpatrick, who rumor has it might not get released despite the Bengals signing Trey Waynes a few days ago and Mackenzie Alexander today. Of course, William Jackson is on the other side. That gives the Bengals three outside corners and one slot guy between those four. Rounding out the roster, of course, is Darius Phillips, a promising third-year player who has a real nose for the ball, had a lot of interceptions last year despite very few snaps, led the team in interceptions. And then at the back of the roster as well is the CFL import Winston Rose from the Packers, Tony Brown, and now Tory McTire makes, what, seven? All these guys obviously won't make the roster. And if the other foot doesn't drop for Drake Kirkpatrick, it's hard for me to figure out where all these guys are going to play. Kirkpatrick is not a guy that you want to send into the slot. I can't really see him moving to safety because of his tackling issues, unless you put him at free safety. In which case, I don't know what you're doing with Jesse Bates, who is your young, promising free safety. William Jackson doesn't play inside. Trey Waynes, they tried to play him inside in the slot in Minnesota. It didn't go well. And Mackenzie Alexander, who the Bengals signed today for $4 million, which is an absolutely stellar deal, by the way. The exact kind of deal you want to see the Bengals give out in free agency because he's a good slot cornerback. And that's, in my opinion, an underpay. It's just a one-year deal. So if it doesn't work out, well, you've spent $4 million in one year. 
but he should be a equitable, maybe slightly worse replacement for Darquez Denard. An excellent tackler, again, just like Denard. Doesn't have many penalties, again, just like Denard. PFF says that he didn't miss a single tackle in 2019. Similar coverage grades to Denard over the years. So again, this is a really good signing. It's a better signing in terms of value per dollar than the Trey Wayne signing. And Trey Wayne's, we, we talked about yesterday, has some issues with agility, with double moves, with getting his hips flipped on the run. Arif Hassan from The Athletic Minnesota described the way that he adjusts to routes as speed turns. He takes them wide and relies on his closing speed to narrow the gap after he loses ground because of agility issues. But Mackenzie Alexander, really good slot guy. He won't play outside. So the Bengals now, how do you figure out what to do with these three outside guys that you're paying starter money to? Currently, the Bengals are the top spending team in the NFL at cornerback. They've just passed the New England Patriots, who, of course, are paying Stephon Gilmore by about $2 million. They're spending 36 maybe $37 million on their cornerback room alone right now. And we know this team does value cornerbacks. They showed us that by drafting Darquez Denard, Drake Kirkpatrick, William Jackson, all in year one. List goes on. Leon Hall, Jonathan Joseph. They've drafted a lot of cornerbacks in the first round. They clearly value the position, and they should. It's an important position on defense. The most important position on defense, in fact. But that doesn't mean that you keep three guys that can only play outside unless, you know, you're really counting on somebody being hurt, I guess. Or maybe you you don't trust William Jackson after last year and you want to keep Dre as a rotational piece. But it's hard to see how they all fit. Overall, though, this free agency now for the Bengals has included four signings of various qualities. DJ Reader, excellent value for a top of his position nose tackle. Love DJ Reader. Offers a lot as a pass rusher in addition to being an excellent run defender. Should bring a lot of stability to the middle of the Bengals defense. And a little bit of pass rush to boot. Trey Waynes, a bit of an overpay, but brings speed. Otherwise, in addition to being a good tackler, which Drake Kirkpatrick is not, very similar in a lot of ways in coverage to Drake Kirkpatrick. Then there's Xavier Suofilo getting $3 million a year now. He replaces John Miller on the roster, but isn't necessarily someone you want to pencil in as a starter quite yet. That's not quite starter money, $3.3 million a year, but he is a baseline. He's a backup option in my opinion. Then on Thursday... They sign Mackenzie Alexander, who will step in and be a day one starter at the slot corner position. So overall, a productive free agency for the Bengals, getting younger, getting faster, and in some places, getting better. You have to like the big moves from the Bengals in a year where we were really asking to see that things had changed. Now, as promised, we will get into that weekend mailbag. We have four really good questions from a few of our listeners today, and I know we had upwards of 30 questions. Apologies for only getting to four of them, and I'm not going to really apologize for this, but we don't talk about the Joe Burrow stuff today. Um, There are reports out of Miami that Miami wants to trade up and targeting Joe Burrow with that number one pick, and I'm just not going to entertain it. I'm very close, in fact, to muting the word Burrow on Twitter because I'm just so sick of the same stuff getting recycled, and yeah, maybe there's a little bit of news to it, but I, I don't see... The Bengals moving off the quarterback. It's it's 
the, the Dolphins have the same amount of holes as the Bengals. So if they're willing to give up their first round flexibility and picks to get a quarterback, shouldn't you too, as the Bengals, take that quarterback? They've been similarly aggressive in free agency patching holes. I just, the argument just falls on deaf ears for me. So let's get into the questions. Let's not talk about Joe Burrow nonsense. We'll get into your questions. They're interesting. They're fun in just a minute. It's the mailbag edition of the Lockdown Bengals podcast and free agent edition. Start of the new league year officially, Jake. And this is the first time we've uh, had a chance to talk while that's been in effect. But jumping right into the questions, I'm sure we'll have a bunch about free agency. And that's where we'll kick it off from Lamar L. Bratley, the second. He said, Joe mentioned he gave the Bengals a B grade so far. How can the Bengals turn that from a B to an A grade? I'm not sure it's really possible at this point, right? Because they've missed on the linebackers. They can prevent it from slipping from a B grade by bringing back Nick Vigil, say, or mm. getting a comparable player. Because right now they only have Jermaine Pratt, right? So for me, it's more of a let's keep it at a B. But usually for the Bengals, we're giving them like a D minus, mm-hmm. if that. Uh, for their free agency grade. So this is a big improvement. If they were to say sign Nick Vigil and Josh Bynes, now you have linebackers that are potentially at least baseline, right? Yeah. Only thing I would add to that is that it can, we can retroactively turn this into an A. Yeah. And by doing so by, you know, because this is like a B for now, it, just like last year, if you would have said, ah, last year's a D plus looking back, it's an F. Right for how they handled free agency, none of those guys made it past the year, and you went two and fourteen with them. But if you sign a guy, let's let's say, um, looking at the list here, Darren Lee, right, and he ends up actually being good and turning his career around, mm-hmm. you can we can look back and say, oh, this was an A. You you've done a lot. So there are players here that I would still like. I I would like Andrews Pete. I would really like Vaughn Bell, who's a twenty five year old that has started for four years at safety. You know, there's a lot of pickups you could still make that I'd say, okay, you're trending in the right direction of uh, potentially turning this into an A. Yeah. And it is just hard to say, right, what's gonna happen. The McKenzie Alexander signing, he's a tier three guy, but that's a much better signing from a value perspective than the Trey Wayne signing because just of the money involved. And the Bengals can't get out of that Trey Wayne's contract really until the third year. So they're committed yeah. to him for at least two years. And even in the third year, there's a $5 million dead cap hit. There's still 10 million in savings, but I mean, that's kind of irrelevant. Anytime you're talking about how do we get out of this deal? Well, think about the players we've talked about that with. We've talked about that with Bobby Hart. We talked about it with John Miller. We talked about it with BW Webb mm-hmm. and we saw how that went. Generally, you don't want to be talking about having to get out of a deal when your favorite team signs somebody. But regardless of that, Mackenzie Alexander, good replacement for Darquez Denard. I don't think he was the first choice. Brian Poole coming off a career year might have been a little bit better, but for $4 million, that that works. And Joe, what do you make, while we're on the topic of cornerback, of John Sheeran's source who says they're not going to release Drake Kirkpatrick? What are they going to do with all these guys? He can't play safety. He can't tackle. My first question was the same as yours. Uh, does that mean William Jackson is not here for the long term or the plans? And I don't know if that's the case either. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what the plan is here other than having a deep and talented cornerback group, right? Which does is that, great. 
Yeah, because someone's going to get hurt because they always get hurt, right? Uh, at some point, they're going to miss a few guys. But I like Darius Phillips being the fourth and then drafting yeah. one. So is it overkill? Are you now going to limit? So you spend a third-round pick on a corner because it's the guy's there and he's the best player on the board. Mm-hmm. Are you doing what you've done in the past with, like, Dark Wesner and Drake Kirkpatrick and stunting their growth by not getting them on the field? Well, there's a difference between stunting the growth and and – having talent for later too it just hasn't worked out for the Bengals with Darquez and R getting all all these guys have gotten hurt Drake Kirkpatrick started his career with injuries same for William Jackson same for Darquez Denard mm. so it's not just that they didn't have intent to play them but they also got hurt I don't think that I'm necessarily opposed to a corner but I think it really moves down the priority list at 33 for me and that's kind of a shame right because in a lot of the mock scenarios we've done there's been really good value there at corner at 33 and now it's like well if Jeff Gladney's there I'm not really taking him over a safety anymore I'm not even taking him over a wide receiver depending on who's there anymore just because I I mean how much money are we really spending already the Bengals are if they don't move on from Dre's contract the top spending group in the NFL at corner they passed the Patriots by a million dollars with the Mackenzie Alexander signing today and three former first-round picks. So the resources are there. Two of them theirs, but you know, with Trey Wayne's also. You are saying the talent and the money's here. They need to perform that way. And I don't know if they are unless William Jackson goes back to 2017 form. If, if he does, then, then you're good. You yeah. can pay this much and you get the production because it doesn't really matter if you're two and three are just okay if your number one's a shutdown guy. But I think they and us would really love to see Jackson get to that plateau again. And he's not there right now. But if he does, then you can get out of Dre's deal if they decide to keep him. And I still would be very surprised if they choose to pay $8 million to what's going to be a rotational corner at best. Say say they like Trey Waynes. And they're like, he's going to come in. He's going to play every down for us. We're not so sure about William Jackson. We're not so sure about Drake Kirkpatrick. He gets hurt. Well, maybe they rotate Dre and William Jackson because they aren't shy about rotating players on defense but that's just a lot of money to pay for a rotational piece and they both got hurt last year Kirkpatrick yeah. and and Jackson they both ended up on IR so maybe that is what you do uh, and I think other teams while well, the Bengals have done good so far right other teams would approach Kirkpatrick and say here's some bonus money let's lower your cap it because we don't know what the plan is but we like you he kind of likes it there it seems mm-hmm. um you know so we'll work it out together but you know let's let's lower this cap number a little bit yeah, I think that would make a lot of sense. We could see them do another thing that they don't do and restructure a deal because even if they do, there's only two years left on Dre's deal. It's not right. putting you in a bad situation down the road. It's just prorating money over two years. And if the plan is to keep him anyway, th- then you do it. But if they're not sure, then maybe you don't. Maybe they wait and see, right? Maybe they try to trade him in training camp. Maybe they, maybe, maybe they do release him you know, after June 1st, just because that's when it actually happens. But um, that that was very surprising to hear. And I'm sure John has a very trusted source there that we're not hearing it from anyone else yet, but I'm not going to dismiss anything that John is saying when he says it is a reliable source. So mm. I, I'm surprised though that, and I know we're way off the topic of the original question at this point, but I'm surprised they haven't traded Andy Dalton yet or, or released him. I know they're sitting on a bunch of cap space right now with Kirkpatrick and Dalton. So you, you would hope there's a plan in because the guys remaining in free agency aren't going to be expensive at this no. point. Unless they want to go out and give that 17 million to Jadavion Clowney, right? For a year. Because 20. Sure. Whatever, whatever the case it may be, 
there's going to be a good team that does that, that finds a way to do it. You know, that's a team probably closer oh, to the Super Bowl. Than a win-now team. Yeah, that's a yeah. real win-now win move. Looking at the remaining free agents we had, the, the guy that would make sense for, for a long term would be HaHa Clinton Dix or, mm-hmm. I don't know, Rashad Perriman is still a guy. I would, I would, and, and the wide receiver market has been slow because everyone knows how good this draft is. There's only a few guys left that are like 26, 27, and that are still quality. You know, and I'd be interested in those guys, but there's only a couple. Or, I mean, even, you know, there's 10 maybe. I, I'm not counting correctly. 12, 13, 14 um, tier three guys left. So we're quickly running out. They may want one more, one more tier three guy before grabbing a couple one-year deals from the tier four range. And a lot of those guys are tier four for me actually, mm-hmm. if we look at the list. So let's get to our next question here. Is DJ Reader the Bengals' best free agent signing of all time? And that question is from, because we need to shout him out. I don't, I, and then a bunch of L's and I's, I think, I don't know what your name is, man. But Nathan, is DJ Reader the best signing in franchise history? I think it is, not only in terms of age, quality, uh, number of, of years, contract, money, all that. Yeah, it's the biggest, it's the best. I, I would say the only other argument probably be Antoine Odom back in, what was that, 07, 08, whatever that was, 09. Um, and this is, I think, a little bit more than that because Odom was kind of a late bloomer for the Titans back then, whereas Reader's been pretty good for like three years. I was just going to say Bobby Williams, but I don't know if that was known at the time that he was going to mm. be as good as he turned out. Yeah, I don't think it was. He only signed a $4 million deal. I mean, yeah. given the cap was like half of what it is today, but that's a pretty small deal. I mean, it was a guard, too. The Bengals went out and paid a guard, and he turned out to be really good. Yeah, and he does say, is this the best, not the biggest? See, for me, like, this is the biggest. It may not be the best. We don't know yet. It could be the best. He's could be. really, really good. He was a guy that we talked about, and when we, we were talking about the Cheer 1 guys, we're like, they're not going to sign DJ Reader or Javon Hargrave, and then they gave that money out. It's funny because I mentioned Javon Hargrave so much that there was even people on Twitter saying, oh, you love Hargrave when it, when he got signed. And I'm like, every time we said Hargrave, I did say anti-G reader, right? Yeah, like like real similar. quickly, they were. I think that there's probably some more juice in Hargrave's game, but Reader has a great track record of productivity, and I He's really, bigger. really like the fit. Let's take a little bit of a break here, Joe. We have a couple more questions to get to, and then I know you got to go to work. Let's try to move through a few more questions before then in just a minute. Jumping back in and comparing some of the losses, maybe by their own decision in John Miller and Darquez Denard, with some of their additions, we've got a question from Andrew88G. How does Alexander, meaning Mackenzie Alexander, compare to Darquez Denard, and how does Xavier Suafilo compare to um, John Miller? Yeah, so Suafilo and Miller neither of those move the needle right they're they're both guys and they paid miller starter money and he started they're not Mm -hmm. paying suafilo starter money and so i'm not sure that he's starting even though multiple beat writers tyler dragon paul dana jr i think maybe even jay morrison have said it was weird he's gonna go in there and and start and i think that that is far from a foregone conclusion he's not as good as john miller when john miller's good John Miller was hurt last year. He signed immediately for more money than Suofilo for the Panthers, who who knows what the Panthers are doing. But, I, I mean, that that's not an upgrade. There is some athleticism. I talked about this in depth quite a bit yesterday. He's a very athletic guy. Really good agility testing, really good speed for a guard. 
didn't have great explosion, but is, is adequate. Mm-hmm. And so he has the athletic tools. He's a little bit light. He has enough arm length. So in terms of those combine measurables that we look at, he has everything that you need, but he's never put it together. He was a 33rd overall pick, though. So, I mean, there's a reason that teams like him, I think, but the money that he's getting paid now does not reflect starter money, and I think that that's going to be what we see. But, again, I said yesterday multiple times, too, uh, what's the guy's name? Jim Jim Turner sees the world differently than we do when it comes to yeah. offensive line play. If there's something that XFS I, – I, that's what I – you know, that just came to my mouth. Um, Xavier C- Suofilo, I type him, and I looked on Twitter because I remember talking about him during the draft, but XSF for his um, abbreviation, it comes up a lot if you're looking for evaluation notes on him. But he was a former tackle, so he's got that athleticism. I think his tape was super flashy at UCLA where you'd see a bunch of high-end stuff, a bunch of low-end stuff. And I think that carried through his career. I don't think that changed where he will blow someone up. You'll see some some power, some speed, and then you'll see a bunch of really bad reps mixed in there. And that's who he is. And I don't know if that's a better thing to have than Miller, who didn't have the high-end, low-end flashes, was just kind of blah or meh or average for a while uh, throughout his career. But when you look at them, they've played almost the same amount of snaps. They've played um, – if you just look at like PFF, Miller on average is better than Suofilo. And he was, like you said, picked up really quickly. I, th- I do think if there's a upgrade there, potentially, it's that Suofilo is a much better puller. I mean, he's, he's really good at it. Most of his highlights are from him pulling. And the Bengals did a lot more of that in the second half of the year. Maybe that's the idea here is they're like, okay, we want to do these pitches with the guard pulling out, right? We need Suofilo to get out there and do it. But he's never really played right guard, Jake. I think that's the most confusing thing to me that, like, did that signing come from the same source for everyone? And that they all listed him as, we'll start at right guard. I'm like, what? How? How does that? That's just a weird thing you never see, right? Yeah, be a transition for position, and I just into a full time role. He he wasn't a starter for Dallas. He played admirably this year in most of his games for Dallas. I think that this is like a baseline signing because yeah. they didn't like John Miller going forward. It seems like, and they just needed a guy in case that you know Billy Price is what we've seen for two years, which at this point we need to expect in case mm-hmm. Michael Jordan doesn't take a step. And, and then beyond that, there's really nobody to play guard. So this is like a baseline thing. But if they go into the season and this is all they have at guard, we're going to be looking next year and say, man, we're, we're going to need a guard. And there's a chance, uh, you know, Cesar Ruiz, Lloyd Cushenberry could could be picks at 33 at this point, the way that they've gone out and attacked corner. We'll see if they make any other moves in free agency. And, and this might even be dated by the time you listen to it because we're recording in the middle of the day here. But Alexander and Denard. I think that they are fairly comparable players, Joe. I yeah. think that, you know, Denard, he tested a little bit better. He had a little bit more long speed. Mm. But I really like Alexander as a replacement. If it wasn't Poole, it wasn't a guy that was really on my radar, to be honest. But the, the difference between Mackenzie Alexander's career or, or last two years and Brian Poole's last two years, they're pretty much the same if you, if you take two years. If you yeah. look at only the most recent year, then yeah, you probably want Brian Poole instead because he just had a career year. But Alexander just had a year in which he didn't miss any tackles all year. Or penalties. Which is great. He's a yeah. little bit nope. small, right? He's, he's going to be a little bit smaller than Denard. He might struggle with some size in the AFC. Although, 
I don't know, man. Uh, you got two Mike Zimmer coach corners now, so they're gonna have some some solid foundation there. Yeah, and I think they're an interesting comparable, Denard and Alexander, because they're both good nickel slot guys. Denard over, has been more consistent over the last three years, but he's also a couple years older, so maybe he's at that phase of his career now. Um, where Alexander, I remember him coming out of Clemson. I remember he was a nickel guy then, and he was always pegged for that. He struggled his first two years. He's been pretty decent the last two. But even if you look at like PFF and look at Darquez Denard, and he's number one in catches and yards allowed from the slot, uh, production from the slot in terms of a per-snap basis, Alexander is in the 15 to 20 range in a lot of those same exact categories. So does that mean he's a worse cover guy? It doesn't because there are situations where you want a little bit more athleticism out of Alexander, whereas Denard is a little bit tighter, a little bit um, more beefed up. You know, he's, he's, I, I wouldn't doubt if he got up to 210 pounds at times the way he looked last year. Uh, you're, so you might lose 20 pounds in the slot there. And for me, I think you can play more man coverage in the slot, which was an issue at times for the Bengals with Denard in there, even though I, I really like Darquez Denard. Um, I think you are, can do a little bit more stuff, get a little more freedom there. Plus, I, you know, just looking at it, I think that is at times when people say, well, they just look at the numbers or just look at the production. I think you also have to use a little bit of uh, open-mindedness into how this guy changes your defense a little bit. So Alexander was on my radar uh, going into this. I, you know, I wanted Poole. I, wanted, I thought they'd go for Logan Ryan, maybe even hopefully Chris Harris. Those didn't happen. But the next st- tier there was Mackenzie Alexander as a nickel guy. And and I'm completely cool with that. I think he's on the same tier as Trey Waynes. I thought he was better than Trey Waynes on tape last year when I, from what I saw of Vikings games, which was maybe only four games last year. Uh, but I felt like I could trust Alexander in the slot more. So I really like that signing when it's a one-year, $4 million deal. That's cheap. That's nothing. That's exactly what you should do with tier three guys that aren't getting the, the interest out there. Same with Andrew Billings going to the Browns, right? Is you got guys that are 25, 26 years old, and you're giving them $4 million for one year, and they're ascending. That Those are the guys you want to sign. Now you've got the first opportunity to extend them if he plays well. Yeah, and there's that's a trend. Bengals getting discounts. Taking discounts. Darquez Denard, mm-hmm. six million dollars a year. He probably deserves a little bit better. Andrew Billings, I think, deserves a little bit better than three and a half million dollars a year, but for one year. But I mean, it's the way of the world, I guess, right now. I've got one other point, if I okay. can, though, because um, a lot of people say, "Well, he didn't have any penalties. He didn't have any missed tackles last year." He's replacing Darquez Nard, who also didn't. So, uh, yeah, he made a missed tackle and a penalty, but Darquez Nard has four penalties in his entire career and is one of the best tackling corners in the league. Mm-hmm. So are you getting an added bonus? No, the bonus is that he's a little bit more fluid and a little bit more agile, and th- that's worth something. It's a replacement. It's it's like essentially a one-to-one replacement that you can feel okay about. This isn't yeah. a downgrade. This isn't going to BW Webb, who is not as good as Darquez Nard in the slot. BWF offers you a little bit of versatility outside. And Ben Baby said that he might be back. I I can't see that at this point now that they've signed Mackenzie Alexander. But the one other point I wanted to make is if you can combine Alexander's $4 million and uh, Wayne's, his average cap hit is going to be around $12 million. This year, I think it's only a $10 million cap hit. That, that makes it a little bit more digestible. I mean, they still mm-hmm. overpaid Wayne's, but... So you, you got to pay sometimes, I guess. And, and they did. So, and we're happy about the reader contract and I am just happy to see them spending money period. Our next and last question comes from Evan McPhillips. Will you please help? And he's asking us to talk 
about his poll that he put up. The Bengals were apparently involved. They were reportedly involved in the trade talks for DeAndre Hopkins. And he says that the Texans offered Hopkins in a fourth for Mixon a second and a future fourth. Would you do it? And I haven't answered this poll yet. The results, though, are 37% yes, 63% no. So 63% of you, or of the people responding to this tweet, 1,000 people, think that a running back with a year left on his deal, a 33rd overall pick is not worth DeAndre Hopkins, because let's just say the fourth rounders cancel out. Yeah, and that's like giving up a fifth this year, so it really doesn't matter if you give up that fourth. Uh, it's nothing. Um, yeah, that means you're you're taking Joe Mixon over DeAndre Hopkins, basically, even with the added bonus of that second-round pick losing that. I know that that may be the most valuable piece in all three of these premium pieces, the 33rd pick, Joe Mixon or Trey Hopkins. What do you think? I think it, it could be Hopkins and then 33 and then Mixon. Mixon's the least valuable of all those, and when you think of it that way, I think you might vote differently. For me, I would take that trade. But I also wonder why everyone assumes it would be Mixon. It Were the Texans be. just looking for a running back, or would it have been A.J. Green in those same exact numbers? It, now, it take would. Mixon out and put Green in there. Would you give up Green, a second-rounder, no. for DeAndre Hopkins? No, at that you point, it's a, it's a little too rich for me at that point. David Johnson and A.J. Green, to me, are because you also need to a give, similar situation. You also need to give Hopkins a race. Dude, he's got four years left, doesn't he? Yeah, but he wanted out because they because he couldn't get a raise. He wanted them to rework sure his deal. But also, that means a lot of the guaranteed or signing bonus money is probably already paid off. You could probably get him, and it wouldn't cost you. The, you would gain cap compelling. money from what you're probably paying from AJ Green right maybe, now. He's million guaranteed right now. Yeah, you probably gain some cap flexibility. DeAndre Hopkins is younger. He's probably better right now. Hate to give up thirty three. I know. But because if that pick's going to be a receiver, you can stomach it a little more. Yeah. I mean, you're you're very happy with DeAndre Hopkins, for sure. Yeah, okay, I would do it. And, and I think that the speculation that it was Joe Mixon is, is, as somebody pointed out, somebody who covers the Texans responded and said, it wouldn't be for Mixon. That's a non-starter for their ownership. I guess their ownership takes a very hard line on. Yeah. So... On, on his his history of punching somebody in public. So that's that's it. Uh, that's all we got for the mailbag today. Joe's got to go to work. And hopefully y'all have a good weekend. Stay safe out there. Again, I, I say this every time in the last few days, closing out the episodes, stay safe, stay healthy, be smart. I hope your employers are taking care of you. Carry a yardstick. And if everyone carries a yardstick and you can touch each other with them, then you are too close. Scary times. Be safe uh, and, and you'll be fine. You know, carry a yardstick. Just like, uh, you know, your parents' teachers that are maybe your teacher did when you were bad in school, right? And everyone's out there lightsaber battling with yardsticks just to make sure they're not too close. It sounds like somebody's personal hell. Until next time, Bengals fans, we'll talk to you. Hopefully the Bengals will do some more stuff because this has been fun. They're doing stuff this week and this is what, this is what I asked for. And they're doing it. So until next time, Bengals fans, have a good one.